This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello. Hi, Mary. Hey, Barbara. How are you doing? Everything is like, this is like we're going into yellow stage. What's the first thing that you're going to do when the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, when it starts to open up, what are you going to do? You know, I've been asking people this, and for me, I'm getting my hair cut. I just cannot wait to get my hair cut. I am looking forward to that. It's what's wonderful. You know, it's the, there's a lot of things that make us reflect. COVID has been tragic, and the Black Lives Matter movement has opened up our eyes to a lot of things. But one thing all of this has done, I think, for many of us is, prior, you know, straighten out our priorities. And you know what's important and what's not important. A lot of people recognize the importance of family and friends yes. and, you know, the importance of haircuts. What can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> but you do, you do recognize the importance of health workers, frontline Frontline workers, you know, people yeah. you kind of took for granted before, yeah. you really can't take for granted anymore. That's correct. That is correct. It'll be very interesting to see because, you know, we've been having the conversation on the radio program, Marketing Matters, for a while now. What's going to be different? What's going to stay the same? What's going to change in this new world order, if you will? So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And one of the things that's, you know, not quite as important as some of the other co- topics we've talked about you know, in the scheme of things, but important in the world of marketing is what's going to happen with Tesla, because yeah. Tesla has always been, Elon Musk and Tesla has always been, you know, threatening status quo and bringing up new things. And to help us discuss some of those new issues, we have with us today our guest, Ted Wright. He's the CEO of Fizz, which is a word of mouth marketing firm that he founded in 2000 and has become a global leader in word-of-mouth marketing, and he has clients on every continent. But today, he's going to start off, and maybe we'll talk about other things, but let's start off, um, Ted, if you don't mind, telling us what's going on with Tesla and why we should be interested. Well, thanks, Barbara. So, you know, Tesla and, and and then its persona, its leader, Elon, really decided from the jump to focus on word of mouth. I mean, they make a, made a very clear decision that they were going to focus on conversation between two people to share the story. So early, from the earliest days, whenever you went into one of the showrooms, once they finally had them, it was kind of hard to get a brochure, but you could always get a conversation. And the, the most famous one, the, mo- the time that I had my aha moment was when I was in Amsterdam, and in between uh, the train station that's closest to the big museum there and the big museum right on the corner, so about 13 million people walk by every year, was this open-air Tesla space. And you just kind of had to walk in or walk around it, and you could ask questions. And what's been so interesting to me about Tesla is that as long as they can figure out all their operational sides they might be able to get the United States and therefore the rest of the world off of the internal combustion engine, and they are going to do it majority through people having conversations and then the story that they're able to tell about 
Tesla, the product backs up. So in word of mouth, it is key for the story and the experience somebody has with that product to match. And you've seen Tesla over and over and over again double down on word of mouth. When they had this special uh, hyperspace button or hysterical button or whatever cool name they came up with mimicking off of space balls, that was totally and completely so that people would do that. And they'd go, oh, my God, changed my life. I didn't know that you could be fast in this car. I didn't know you could have crazy performance and still be all electric. And so after time, after time, after time, after time again, Elon Musk and his merry band at Tesla has said that conversation is what is going to drive this. And not only is it more effective and more trusted, which we know from the Pew Research and, and Ed Keller, famous Wharton alum, and other great people that have looked at this academically. So we know it's more word of mouth is more trusted, and we also know it spreads faster than the broadcasted message. So with all that being said, this is your expertise. This is their legacy. So what's this about Tesla advertising? What, I, what, what does that mean? So, uh, the, so the question, Barbara, is what happens when Tesla decides to start doing advertising? Um, so there comes a time in every word of mouth campaign's life where broadcast becomes very effective and the most effective it's going to be. For Apple, it was in the age of the middle of the iPod. There was no reason for Apple to ever do iPod commercials, and yet they did them. Why? Not to get the people that were already using iPod to buy more of them, but to remind those advocates, those people who love to share stories about Apple, to share that story one more time than normal. On average, an advocate, the 10% of our population that really loves to share stories and gets the other 90% of us to buy whatever it is that they're talking about, that on average, they'll, they'll share at a rate of eight factorial a year, which is 40,370. So a single advocate is worth 40,000 shares. If you could bump that up just one more cycle of the storytelling, all the way up to nine factorial, that number gets extremely large extremely quickly. And so that's why once you set a basic word of mouth and you have all these people telling the story, what you want is you want broadcast to show up and get remind those advocates to share that story one more time than normal. And that's really, or two more times, or three, or however many times that they're going to do it. So that is the utility of broadcast. Once you get the story there, it's to remind advocates to tell the story again. It's very difficult to plant a story in modern times using broadcast because so many people don't believe that brands tell the truth in their advertising. Like eight out of ten North Americans do not believe that brands tell the truth in their advertising. Interesting. Now, Ted, let me ask you a question. Let me just jump and ask you a question, Ted, because you're raising an interesting point. There, this idea of Tesla moving into an advertising phase of its marketing messaging is not without controversy, right? Because there is kind of this idea that, you know, Elon Musk is a brand and he's kind of done it his own way. And he's a very kind of powerful, iconic, robust figure that's out there. And so part of what I think has been associated with the mystique of the Tesla brand is this idea that it has been kind of this real authentic groundswell of passionate people about the car that buy into Elon Musk's vision. 
And so is there a, is there a, uh, is there a downside to moving into kind of like traditional advertising that potentially, you know, the brand itself, all of those authentic values that Elon Musk and Tesla seems to stand for could be undermined. What, talk about how to mitigate any downsides that might be associated with this move that they're thinking about doing. So the downside is, is if your marketing was seriously inauthentic and terrible. So if it looked like a standard ad from the 80s, you know, with the car coming at an angle and it cuts it wheels really hard or you drive around whatever that road is in Italy where you just go up and down and you talk about MSRP and all the rest of that, that would be a disaster. Unless you wanted to do that with sort of high irony and kind of a Ryan Reynolds kind of way. <laughs> but I don't really think Elon Musk and the rest of his team at Tesla, having made all these decisions so well for so long, are going to then, you know, step on it really hard when they decide to make this move. And I will give you a personal example from my own life. So... Um, a woman I know out of Texas, Elizabeth, she worked for a guy named Tito, and he was making vodka in his kitchen. And then she was one of his very first, if not his very first, salesperson. And so that has become a thing, and that was totally, the first 10 years was completely word of mouth. And a very, very tiny, small, one-quarter-inch by one-quarter-inch print ad in one column of the Wall Street Journal every day, just because Tito thought that was cool. And so about four years ago, I was walking in an airport, and all of a sudden I saw all these banner ads in an airport, which are fundamentally one of the most stupid forms of advertising that you can <laughs> with apologies to airports and people who make their money selling this stuff. It really doesn't sell more stuff. And so I got on my phone, and I called Elizabeth, and I said, oh, my God, what are y'all doing? Because I'm from the South, so I can say y'all when I get very excited. <laughs> and Elizabeth said, we read your book. And I was like, what do you mean you read my book? It's like at this point, everybody who's going to talk about Tito's really understands the story. So what we need to do is we need to remind them in a broadcast way to share that story one more time than they normally would. So now is our time for broadcast. Pretty much in their mind, four people walking down the airport you know, row, uh, all traveling with each other, one of those four probably knows something about Tito's. The billboard in the airport will remind them, because they've never seen one before, like, oh, Tito's. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's my favorite. And just so you all know, there happens to be a lot of vodka that is consumed in airports. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> purpose for drinking. Uh, and they self-medicate that way. And you supposedly can't smell it on lots of people's breaths. So there's a ton, there's an abnormal amount of vodka that would get consumed in there on a per cap basis than like other uh, on-premise kind of places that are there. Mm -hmm. so, so I think, America, that's what's going to happen with Tesla. So let me, let me, let's generalize past Tesla and then even generalize past this point. But are you saying like a lot of very successful campaigns will start out social media, word of mouth, and then at some point, there's a tipping point when they really want to grow, that broadcast becomes, is that your bottom line? Did I characterize that right or not? So with the exception of social media, Barbara, uh, social media is a broadcast tool. Um, oh, it's okay. Fine, but most conversation that you have, even the pre-COVID days, the vast majority of the conversation was face-to-face. -face. 
now you see people and, and some Facebook and a little Twitter and then a little of the other stuff. Um, that's the majority of the conversation because people really like this. They really like looking at each other, even though they don't have to be looking at each other. You could just talk on the phone. But the reason that everybody ran to Zoom in March and April is because they have an intrinsic need to see other people. Even though there's very little on a Zoom call that you can do that you couldn't do some other way without using Zoom. You could do it some other way without having a video call of any kind of video call. You could pass documents back and forth on Slack, or you could send an advance, you could call everybody on the phone. But the first thing everybody did when they were like, oh my gosh, we're closing offices, is quick, we have to figure out how to recreate what we do as humans. That's because for thousands of years we have been doing this. So there's biologic need and there's cultural needs across cultures all across the world that we do this for you on the radio. I'm pantomiming. I'm looking directly in your eyes with that whole two finger I'm looking at. (laughs) So that's what people want. And so word of mouth is mostly people talking to other people and it's mostly other people they already know. There's a little bit of social media in there, and certainly social media is fun, and certainly there are times when everyone will know about something via social media. But when you want to convert the knowing to the buying, it is conversation between two people who already know each other. And that, again, gets us back to our good friend Elon Musk and all of his wonderfulness that he does. He really wants everybody to get rid of their internal combustion car and buy an electric vehicle. That's what he wants. And whether that's a $120,000 Luxo Cruiser or some bat-winged SUV or some $35,000 everyman car, that's what he's interested in doing. And so he is being smart and going about it in the beginning the most efficient way possible, which he totally should in the beginning of a brand's life. You should have very little marketing in the beginning of your brand's life that is broadcast, and you should rely mostly on the conversation that you can generate between you and other people that you know, or in its broadcast format, um, PR. So when Jack Dorsey did Square, The reason he was willing to talk to everybody about Twitter, which he had never been able to really to talk to press about, was then he could talk about Square. Because he's like, everybody will pay attention to Jack Dorsey. So he could spend a whole lot less money on advertising, and he could bring the story of Square. And people say, oh, that's really interesting. And then we could go from there. Let me let me ask you a question, Ted, because also I want to pull it back a a bit, as Barbara was doing as well, with respect to the notion of, you know, you and I have had conversations about not getting confused about the difference between celebrity sponsorship, which sometimes gets categorized as influencers, versus true advocates who are passion story sharers who really care about a, a specific domain. What are you seeing in the world of influencer marketing right now, Ted, that has been a direct result of uh, either the post-COVID uh, pandemic response in terms of differences in what consumers are doing in their behavior, uh, or even you know the more recent kind of social justice uh, wave of 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 companies and brands and people coming together, consumers coming together 
uh, to address these these kinds of social and in, social injustice issues. How has the, these two different watershed moments uh, in 2020? How has that impacted what you have seen in in the in the world of word of mouth marketing and 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 true advocate marketing? So I think what we are seeing is something that Barbara brought up at the top of your show that I think people are using COVID as an opportunity to really sort out what is important to them. And they really have so much less time right now for any other externalities that aren't really going to solve a problem then. Um, you know, since this is cable radio, you know, I think we can say bullshit, right? If not, we can <laughs> that out. Okay. So, uh, people's, yes. people's interest in <laughs> This is satellite hockey. radio, Ted, so don't, so don't hold back, my friend. But I don't think anybody's ever said that before, America. So we don't know. But okay. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find with, out. With, with apologies to Mr. War and Mr. Tan. Uh, <laughs> serious. Uh, but look, I, I think nobody has time for stuff that then it might even possibly be. I don't know if I can trust this. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm not really sure because we have so much extra in our life right now that we can't see, that we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening now. So I think anything that you can't trust that you're not 100% about, people are bailing on. Uh, and I think they're bailing on that in droves. Uh, and if you just, I think there's, a, there's lots of good data about, um, hey, we're going to pull all of our, we're going to pull all of our digital advertising and, you know, you're still able to sell just as many stakeums as you were before or maybe more. And, and so a lot of that stuff that people thought was important um, because, and it was, and people were using it because it was easy to measure. Now they're realizing that they don't need that. And so why were we doing it in the first place? Because we knew it was sort of silly and it was fake, but it seemed to be working mm. and out in this era. And I think America's, uh, since you brought up, you know, the, all the social justice issues that are finally, thank goodness, you know, rising to the fore and people are making decisions. I think for those people that, that those social just, justice issues most impact, I think those people are definitely done with anything that is not going to move us forward and not yeah. do that in an authentic and honest way. I, I think they're just so the days um, uh, Taylor Lorenz today just did an article in the New York Times, which is basically she was reporting on people that were getting some group of quote influencers unquote were getting noise violations in L.A. and you know so. Basically, that is that is what the reporting beat for influencer marketing has come down to, which is reporting on 18-year-olds acting like they're in a frat house, which is not surprising because lots of 18- and 19-year-olds are there, and quite honestly, I'm not sure that they shouldn't be there. I think that is a great place. I was certainly there at one point. I got that out of all my system, and then I'm going on. Mm -hmm. So that influencer marketing, that fake stuff where people – people were vloggers and they were pretending like they were going to move markets. I think that's gone. Mm. And I also think getting it back to Tito's or getting it back to Elon Musk and the people at Tesla, I think they never went that way. You know, that's they went the way where Elon's talking about stuff. If I may, I don't know him. Mr. Musk may, may <laughs> where, where Mr. Musk is having these discussions uh, with people and he's doing the PR, even when he goes too far and he gets in trouble with the SEC, yep. it's, still always him and it was still always authentic yes i think yeah. it's just to build on what what uh you're saying ted because it was remarkable to me that 
the authenticity piece when when you have an iconic brand like Elon Musk and Tesla, when he got up there with the Cybertruck and he and he said, you know, I'm going to show you that I'm going to show you that this glass is indestructible, and he threw the and he, he demonstrated it and, and it broke and sh- shattered on stage, and everyone was like, this is going to be it, it's all over. Uh, and what it turned out was that it, you know he basically said, listen, you know, how'd you feel about that, Mr. Musk? And he said, you know, it's like you you have to fail. Because if you don't fail, that means you're not innovating. And so like even like a, what would normally be a misstep, you know, in, if that authenticity piece wasn't already there, actually turned out to be a win. What are your thoughts on, on, that, on that? And just the, the brilliance of being able to do that. Look, my thoughts are authenticity, 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 right? Authenticity is the language of friends. Truth is the language of lawyers and politicians. Always go for the authentic, especially since he lives his brand. I mean, let's just talk about SpaceX for a second. He gets rockets to go to the moon and back and land on their tail. Mm -hmm. And he does it. I don't know if you saw, but um, the NASA, if you take all the NASA costs versus how many kilograms they were moving, it was Mm -hmm. basically $21,000 a kilogram. That's what the space shuttle program cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it cost SpaceX $1,900 a kilogram to do lift stuff. Now, are they pimping off of a bunch of stuff that NASA invented? Oh, yeah, undoubtedly. <laughs> is there, you know, is there, is there some other stuff? So it's not directly fair, but it is also speaks to him and what he's doing and what he authentically wants to do. Even if that stuff is crazy, like let's build a two-lane tunnel around L.A., and that's going to end traffic. I mean, I know you think so, and you're super cute, Elon, but, I, you know, the math doesn't work. But you go and you do you, and I'll take one of your flaming, you know, one of your flamethrowers. This is the boring company on the side because I just think it's cool to have a flamethrower, and it works. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of time here, Ted. Thank you so much for joining us today. And our listeners can go to keep up with you and when they look up you at Fizz, I suppose, on your website or on Twitter account. Yes, fizzcore.com. Um, and uh, we're also big on LinkedIn and Twitter. So come see us. Always glad to talk. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.